Well, when we began doing the live streams three years ago now, we um, have been given by God a, a great opportunity to evangelize uh, in a new way to many new people, people that would never other, otherwise would have heard of the Catholic teaching because you beautiful Marian helpers take a lot of the live stream talks and you share them sometimes with fallen away brothers or sisters or non-Catholic friends. And, and um, that's a beautiful thing. And in, in one of the most common responses we get back, and you've heard me say this before, but I don't touch on it often enough, is this statement, call no man your father. And we have to look at the context. This is why it's important that you don't isolate scripture passages and then just take them out of context. Well, let's look at this. I mean, the obvious about Jesus saying this is our same Lord Jesus Christ always referred to Abraham as Father Abraham. Those are our Lord's own words in the scriptures. Didn't say Abraham. He always said, Father Abraham. I mean, the Ten Commandments call somebody else other than God Father. I mean, we call this the man who sired each of us our father. The rich man in the scripture passages called out Father Abraham to come dip his finger in cool water. This is from Luke 16, verse 24. St. Paul calls religious leaders fathers in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, and in Acts chapter 22, verse 1. St. Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, I became your father. The priest is a spiritual father. And we are talking about not just because he has many children. We are not saying, we listen to the words of the Lord, that anyone else is Abba Father, the Creator Father, the Father who redeemed us through the Son. That's different. The priest at the altar. In fact, do you know why the priest is called Father? Many will say it's because, well, you have many spiritual children. Actually, that's not the reason the priest is called father. The priest is called father because of what he does at the altar. Now, this uh, whole conversation that's coming out of the synod is raising these questions that we have purposely at the Marian Fathers not spoken about publicly until we hear the actual words of the synod come out. And um, in that is the whole talk about uh, women's ordination to the diaconate and whatnot. But and I'm not going to discuss that here. But what I will say is this. The church, as John Paul reiterated, and even Francis has recently, cannot ordain women to the priesthood. And that is not because of sexism or, or chauvinistic ideology. It is simply because at that altar, the priest is in persona Christi. Despite his sins, despite his brokenness, he is in persona Christi. He's in the person of Christ. Now, the obvious is that Christ was a man. So if that priest is in the person of Christ, who was a man, that priest needs to be a man. That's the obvious viewpoint and a very true viewpoint. 
but it goes deeper if you read the church fathers. From this altar comes the seed, the seed that gives life. That seed that gives life comes from the altar. It is received by the church. That's why we receive or we refer to the church as mother church. She is feminine, even though it's made up of men and women. The church has always been called mother church. She is the feminine. The priest is called father because in the beautiful marital act, who supplies the seed? The father. Who receives it, takes it in internally, nurtures it, and gives birth to life? The feminine, the mother. And you have the same thing happening at the altar. The priest, the external act of giving that life-giving seed from the altar comes from the man. The man provides the seed. That is how God created it. It doesn't mean it's greater because without the woman, that seed goes nowhere. It's different. It's not one is better than the other. It's they're different but complementary. So the male supplies the seed, the female receives it. She gives nurture to it. She gives birth. You can't have that between two women. You can't have that between two men. You have that in the male, the father, who provides the seed. Mother, church, receives it. She takes that seed in and gives birth when we leave this church. All of you, part of Holy Mother Church, are to give birth to the life of the faith when you leave here. And so this is a misunderstanding that when you isolate the scripture passage, you're going to run into all kinds of problems. This is why the Catholic Church has always been careful to say how you read the Bible. If you just pick this up on your own and you isolate that verse, you're going to completely misunderstand it. Now, Jesus in John 8, 56 said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Jesus meant that there is only one creator, one true father, one Abba. That's not who we're talking about at the altar. We're talking about in persona Christi at the altar. As the commandment testifies, Jesus did not mean to never call someone father, or the commandments would not say, honor your father and mother. Jesus meant we are no longer under the covenant of the patriarchs. That's what he meant when he said, call no one your father. You are no longer under the covenant of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It has been fulfilled. We are now under the covenant of the one and only Abba, the father. This helps us to, to understand, or it helps us to understand the history of Christianity, to know the context of this word of Christ in the scriptures. This is how all the early theologians explained it. And I think that they know better than we do. That is why the, the church is always taught, listen to the magisterium because she can explain this for us. And it's the same because she has that authority. You and I alone do not have the authority to interpret the scripture on our own. The church was given that authority by Christ in Matthew 16, 18. The church has authority. The church is not man-made, it is God-made, but God 
delegated his authority to it. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained. God has given that authority to the church. Now, one of the most beautiful authorities that the Christ has given the church is the authority from him in the church. For instance, this week, I, I mentioned this a little bit on Friday, but I'd like to expand and just finish on this. We talked about right now we are in a very important part of the church calendar because on November 1st, we celebrated All Saints Day, right? But did you know that All Saints Day is actually an octave? You've heard me talk a lot about octaves. Octaves are eight days of celebration in the faith of the church that when a feast is so big, it cannot be celebrated in one day, they celebrate it over eight days. You've heard me talk about that. Do you know that All Saints Day, hopefully you made it, was it on a Wednesday this year? I can't even remember. Um, is a, was a holy day of obligation. Now that feast day is so big that we celebrate it as an octave. That octave of eight days always starts with the day itself. So the octave of Easter begins with Easter, goes for eight days, culminates with Divine Mercy Sunday. That's the biggest octave in the church. Every day is a solemnity. Every day is Easter. Now, this week, I don't want to let die a tradition in the church that has been huge for centuries. My grandparents used to talk about it. We've lost it. We've lost it. That is all hollows tide and this eight-day octave of praying for our faithful departed. These eight days, from November 1st to November 8th, so we are right in the middle of that right now, the church, through her authority, has declared that we can get a plenary indulgence by visiting the graveyard, any graveyard. I had a great question after Mass, and I mentioned this briefly on Friday. Father, I want to go pray for my mother, but I can't make it to her graveyard. It's far away. No, any graveyard. You go there, you make pious prayers for the deceased. Divine Mercy Chaplet is wonderful. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. It can be something as simple as an Our Father, Hail Mary, and a Glory Be. You just make the effort to go to the cemetery and make some form of pious prayer for the dead. Even if it's just in silence and you just, <clears throat> you're asking God for mercy on them. Why? Because in 2 Maccabees, it says it is good and wholesome to pray for the dead so that they may be loosed from their sins. Father, Maccabees is not in the Bible. Yes, it is. Catholics didn't add it. Martin Luther removed it. So we have scriptural proof that we need to pray for the dead. Go to the cemetery sometime. In fact, do it every day from here on out. From the, uh, today's the fifth, I think. The fifth, the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth. You still have four days to go to the cemetery. Pray for the dead. You can pick a soul that you feel that you should be praying for. If you, One lady was precious. She was here with us, and she said, Father, I'm, I'm so nervous because I don't know which one to pick. Well, you have four more days, so you could pick four. Or if that really makes you nervous, okay. You simply say, Lord, I'm doing this plenary indulgence for the soul I'm most obligated to pray for. And God will give that grace. Or if you don't even want to say that, you could say, Lord, I offer this indulgence for the soul most in need of your mercy. 
and he will give that grace. And so, you know the conditions, go do that act at the cemetery, get to confession within 20 days, receive Holy Communion, pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, and work on that no attachment to sin thing that we talked about on Friday. And I'm gonna now finish with something that I gave to our retreatants here. We're doing a retreat here this weekend at the Marian Fathers for some of our Marian helpers. And I said something last night that they said, Father, please mention this. And, and I, I think it's so powerful. It's called the Great Exchange. This is one of the most powerful things that we can do, especially this week. And I'd like to share it to end with this homily, to share this with you. If you want to do something that's the most powerful thing you could do, do the great exchange. What is the great exchange? Okay. Souls that are in purgatory, what is their number one suffering? Souls have appeared to many mystics. They all say the same thing. What is the number one suffering of the holy souls in purgatory? Longing for God. Because right now, it's like they, they, they know he's there. They know that, that, that ultimately they will be with him forever. All souls in purgatory will make it to heaven. But they can't behold him yet in the beatific vision. They have to be purified, prepared. They are longing. It's like being separated from your beloved. It's excruciating pain when you're deeply and madly in love, like a newlywed, and then you're separated from them for a long period of time. So the number one suffering of the holy souls is longing for God. What is the second biggest suffering the holy souls incur that they all tell the mystics and the church has written about? What's the second? What's the second most cause of suffering in purgatory? Sorrow for sin. Coming to the realization of how I offended God and I'm so sorry for it. That's going to be the illumination of conscience. Okay? If you die before it's, it's revealed on this earth, the illumination of conscience, you will be revealed when you die at your judgment. You have an instant illumination of conscience. Now, those two things, those two things in purgatory are their greatest sufferings. It's causing the souls in purgatory to suffer tremendously. Longing for God, sorrow for sin. Now, on this earth, take a guess at what all church teaching and the saints tell us are the two ways to become a saint. In order to become a saint on this earth, to be ready for heaven when you die and avoid purgatory, you have to have two things, an intense longing for God and major sorrow for sin. Kind of ironic, huh? So the very two things that cause suffering and purgatory, longing for God, sorrow for sin, are the same very two things on earth that make us saints. When we have an absolute longing for God, your focus is on God, your, your, your attention is on God, your, your day is consumed by serving God, you long for God. And then when you mess up, you go to confession, but you have sorrow for that sin. You become a saint. So here's the great exchange, everybody. If you have the guts, which it is very, very scary. We had one lady in our retreat last night. She says, 
I want to do this, but I'm just not, not sure if I'm ready yet. It's not. It's beautiful. You say to God, Lord, please give me the suffering of the holy soul I am most obligated to pray for. Or the suffering of the holy soul most in need of your mercy. Give me their suffering. God can do that. God can, you can step in, and, and that's what Christ did for us on the cross. He took on our suffering. You can do that. Guess what happens? That soul, their suffering has ended because it comes to you. Don't get scared yet. It comes to you. That soul is released from purgatory and enters heaven. Because you, as a suffering servant, have offered to take it on. Now, don't think there's nothing in it for you. Like Peter said to Jesus, what's in it for us? And Jesus said, 10, 000, or 100 times greater than you could ever imagine. So if you do that, the soul is released into heaven. The mystics all tell us this. And guess what happens to you? You have an increased longing for God and an increased sorrow for sin. Guess what that results in? You becoming a saint. And guess what that means? When you die, you avoid purgatory. What a beautiful exchange. Lord, give me the suffering of the holy soul I am most obligated to pray for. Or Lord, give me the suffering of the holy soul in most need of your mercy. The Lord transfers that away from the soul. They get to go to heaven. Their suffering is over, not because his justice just says, bingo, it's gone, but because by justice, it is transferred to you. You take it on. You now have an increased longing for God and sorrow for sin, but those are the two things that make you a saint. So you become, in a way, even a greater saint here on earth because you have more longing for God and more sorrow for sin. The great exchange. What a perfect thing to do in the octave from the, November 1st to November 8th. This is the beautiful thing of our faith. This has a, a, been a belief of our faith for a long time, and we don't teach it, we don't preach it, we don't live it, we don't even know it. And so for what it's worth, please pray on this. Ask God for the grace to be able to say yes. Ask God for the grace to be able to say, yes, I want to do this. I want to release the soul from purgatory, and I want to become a saint. You really, truly have a win-win. Because this purgatory, the soul is released, and you become a saint. And if you truly become a saint, you avoid purgatory. What a gift. God will never be outdone in generosity. If you do that to help the holy soul, that's what Jesus told Peter when Peter said, what's in it for us? He says, you come follow me, you'll get something a hundred times greater than you ever imagined. In this case, a million times. Praise be to God for the gift of his mercy and grace given to us through his church. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org 
or search Keeping It Marion on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.